Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I hope you had an awesome Christmas. We did, and we are headed up to Taos, New Mexico to spend the new year. My family will be skiing. I will not because I don't like skiing. I always say there are two things that I really want to and try to like, and I just cannot. And that is Bloody Marys and skiing. I keep trying to like them, but I don't. I just need to accept that about myself. But anyway, I will be doing some um, snowshoeing, hiking around, and my kiddos will ski. And I hope it is a, a good week. And I hope that you have a fun New Year celebration, whatever you're doing. But to kick off today's podca- podcast, I have a question for you. And it's kind of a weird and embarrassing question, but I know that if it's happened to me, it's probably happened to you. Have you ever been in the middle of eating your face off? You know, like eating all the quote unquote bad things and feeling disgusting in your body, shaming yourself in your mind as you're stuffing your face. And as you're doing it, you're thinking, this is it. After this, no more. And you start thinking about the new diet that you swear you're going to start the next day or Monday or in the new year or whenever it is. And you get this kind of euphoric feeling spread over you as you are simultaneously stuffing your face and dreaming about how skinny you're going to be once you start this new diet. Like all of this is happening at the same time. Anyone? (laughs) Anyone out there? Or am I the only weirdo this has happened to? This is when I wish this was a live show. So, you know, somebody could say, yeah, me too. Um, So I don't feel like a weirdo. But anyway, this really has happened to me more than once, you know, back in the day. And it's the weirdest feeling because you almost get a sense of justification for whatever you're binging or overeating in the moment. Because the righteousness of the upcoming diet feels like it kind of cancels out what you're doing. Does that make sense? It's so strange and kind of hard to explain, but maybe you've felt some level of that at some point. If you have, then you know what happens. You know, when the next day or the Monday or whenever your D-day is, your diet day, whenever that rolls around, that high that you were experiencing in that bingy, dreamy moment of the new diet, you know, that high is like totally dissipates, you know, and that the shame of overeating floods back along with the dismal reality that now you actually have to put this new diet into practice. And you wish you could go back to that moment that you were feeling, you know, that euphoria and that 
that peak motivation so you could like bring that energy with you into the new plan you're starting. But it feels flat, you know, and sadly, if you have experienced this situation, you know, it doesn't happen, you know, it hadn't happened just once. You know, whatever magic plan you were dreaming of as you were stuffing your face doesn't turn out to be so magic after all. You know, you got to do the work. And, you know, before you know it, you're right back in the same situation. Overeating, swearing it off, and dreaming of your new magical shiny diet. You know, the one that's really going to work this time. Is any of this sounding familiar? (laughs) It's kind of fascinating, really. And I just remember one particular time that I felt so euphoric in the moment that I actually recognized, like, this is not normal. Like, something's off here or bizarre. You know, and I, I didn't really know what it was as it was happening. It wasn't until I stir- understood the concept of dopamine, which is both a hormone and neurotransmitter and its role in the body as a chemical messenger of pleasure and reward and motivation that I realized what was going on. I was getting what we call a dopamine hit, this flooding of pleasure and motivation chemical coursing through me and making me feel euphoric as I thought about the new diet. Now, I've talked here before about the dopamine response we get to food. Um, In the podcast I did called Fuel Food Versus Entertainment Food, um, and that, that idea of the party in your mouth. Do you remember that? And when you eat super sweet or salty or just any overly flavored, stimulating food, you get this reward response. You know, it hits your taste buds. It's like the party in your mouth and it signals your brain to release dopamine. It's a party in your mouth. It's a party in your brain and it feels good and makes you want to go back for more. And our brains are wired this way for the very primal purpose of staying alive. You know, we're wired to find pleasure in food so that we will be motivated to eat and have the energy to stay alive. And we're wired to find pleasure in sex so that we will procreate and multiply. Think about if there was no flavor in food, you know, absolutely no pleasure out of it. I mean, what if all we needed was some kind of like basic brick of edible cardboard like substance, you know, and that's what our bodies needed to stay healthy and have energy. We wouldn't be nearly as motivated to eat regularly as we are with amazing food choices we have available. You know, so our brain reinforces the action of eating by releasing dopamine so that we feel pleasure and are rewarded um, and wanna go back and eat again. And back in the day, before there were all of these hyper palatable processed foods, you know, our ancestors would have gotten a dopamine hit from real food because that's all that was available. And if they found something extra special like honey or blueberries, things that were, you know, kind of hard to come by and didn't grow year round, they would have gotten immense pleasure from that taste. You know, a flooding of dopamine through the body that said, hey, when you come across this again, definitely eat this. This is awesome. But today we not only have every food available to us at all times, you know, that we take for granted. We have all of these processed foods that have been added to the food system. We have sugar at our fingertips. We have frankenfoods dripping in chemicals that manufacturers purposely use to trigger a dopamine hit so that you'll want to go back for more. The problem is that one, these overly stimulating foods hijack 
your normal dopamine response. I mean, who wants blueberries when you can have little Debbies? And two, it can make you kind of like dopamine resistant, you know, or dopamine tolerant, which means that you require more of the food to feel the same effect that you initially did. You know, you need more of the thing to get the, the pleasure, the, the, um, the dopamine hit. So if you used to get pleasure from one or two cookies, now it takes like 10, or now it takes something in, immensely sweeter. And manufacturers are banking on that so that you are addicted to more and more of their products. Okay, but here's the thing. You can get a dopamine response to way more than just food. I mean, you can get a flooding of this pleasure, reward, motivation, chemical coursing through your body for just about anything. Shopping, gambling, fighting. You know those people addicted to drama? There you go. I mean, you know that high um, that you get, like when you make lists and set goals? I mean, that, you can get a dopamine high from that. Your brain rewards you for planning and being organized, but that's the fun part, right? You get the high when you're sitting in the possibility of what could be, but the reality of the implementation is not quite as exciting, but you kind of become addicted to the shopping or the list making or the goal setting because it feels good. It also feels good to plan the new magic diet you're going to start. That's going to make you skinny and fabulous. And we can become addicted to that feeling, but we run into the exact same problems as we do with food. You know, it is so much more fun to think of the latest diet or magic shake or the fat burning pills or whatever it is than to think of eating vegetables and drinking plenty of water and exercising regularly and just doing it all consistently. I mean, boring, right? I mean, again, who wants blueberries when you can have little Debbies? The latest and greatest diet has hijacked our dopamine response. And so we get distracted by shiny diet syndrome instead of seeing through what works. Think of how many times you've been distracted by the bright and shiny when you're in a hurry to lose the weight. You know, you abandon your quote unquote boring plan that might be taking a while to see results for the promise of a quick fix, you know, and you just got to think, you know, where would I be if I had just stayed the course with the consistent, healthy eating and getting out and exercising, you know, even if it's nothing hardcore, just walking, you know, anything. I was just talking to one of my, um, my OG feast of fasters and Christian health club members, um, Rebecca, you may remember I did a podcast with Rebecca, um, a while back and she detailed her health and weight loss journey. And if you remember, she didn't lose any weight the first round of Feast of Fast. I mean, she could feel changes starting to happen, but the weight didn't really budge until around round two. I mean, her body just needed that time to reset and rebalance and feel confident that it could start releasing and letting go of toxins and weight. Remember the concept I've talked about before that your body's got to believe you, you know, if you've been a yo-yo dieter over the years, and if you've been lured by shine, shiny diet syndrome, your body's going to be a little skeptical. It's going to be like, yeah, 
I've seen her do this before. She'll sugar detox for three or four days and then she's gonna throw in the towel. So we don't have to do anything. We can just sit tight here. No, no need to, you know, work here. Nothing to see here. Now with Rebecca, like I said, it took several months for her to start really, uh, things to really kick in for her. And she could have easily thrown in the towel, gotten shiny diet syndrome and tried something else, but her body just needed a little more time. You know, and now she's been doing this going on three years now. I mean, she'll say, Feast of Fast is my lifestyle. You know, she fasts, she manages her carb load, she cycles in feast days, she indulges when it's worth it, and it has worked beautifully for her. She had a check-in appointment with me the other day. She's always looking to take her health to the next level. I love that, you know. Um, And so we were talking through some options for her. Um, like maybe doing a cell core protocol, kind of a proactive uh, foundation protocol. But she was telling me that she was right in the middle of a huge closet clean out, like epic. And that she had clothes ranging from like size four to 16. You know, and she's like, just think about that. You know, all those sizes and, you know, all that's represented over the years. I know a lot of you out there probably have that swing of size ranges in your closet. You know, there's a lot of, what if I need that? Or what if I get back to that size? That's a lot of energy to contend with in your closet every day. You know, but to be able to release all of that and find stability and a healthy goal weight, it's awesome. But it doesn't happen when there's always shiny diet syndrome happening. Oh, and this is so great. I had another... Um, check an appointment with one of my other clients recently, um, Pam, do you remember Pam? She was on the podcast a few months ago talking about how she lost 50 pounds using feast to fast and how, you know, finally taking care of herself had basically saved her marriage, you know, feeling good in her body and about her body completely changed how she showed up and her energy and her mood. And it really reignited her relationship with her husband. Well, I talked to her the other day. And not only has she now lost 60 pounds, she, and I'm like, jaw drop, pick up the jaw. She's now lost 60 pounds, but she also got her husband on Feast to Fast, and he has lost weight and feels better too. And I mean, this just hurts my heart, y'all, because this is this ripple effect, you know, of feeling well, serving well, and it's like organic evangelism. You know, of spreading the good news of real food, the way God made it and caring for our bodies as excellent vessels of the Holy Spirit. Pam didn't, you know, browbeat her husband into eating like she was. Um, You know, she kind of talked about that in the podcast. Like, you know, sometimes he eat healthy, but, you know, sometimes she and her her son, her husband and her son did something different. And, um, but he recognized such a dramatic change in her that he was drawn to what she was doing, you know, and willing to give it a try. To me, it's like this microcosmic analogy to how we live as Christians, you know, living in such a way that radiates peace and love and hope and joy so that other people are naturally drawn to us, you know, and seeking what we have. And what we have is salvation given by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that supernaturally fills us with life and supersedes worldly standards and expectations. You know, it's so much more powerful than browbeating someone into your beliefs, you know, whether it's about Jesus or your food. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about and show our excitement about our faith or the way that we're eating, you know, that's changed our life. 
but truly it's in the being. It's in the example that is so powerful. You know, your people are watching you. And Pam's people, and I say people, whenever I say people, like my people, Pam's people, I'm talking about family, right? Pam's family had watched her, you know, swing all over the diet jungle for many years. I remember the first time that I talked to her, she was like, I have tried everything. You know, and her family had watched her try everything. And it's kind of like what I was saying about your body has to believe you. Your people have to believe you. You know, if they've seen you follow all the shiny diet objects over the years, they're like, yep, seen her do this before. And they just kind of sit back and wait for it all to fizzle out. You know, no need to get on board with this thing because it ain't going to last. What's also interesting about Pam's journey is that if you remember when I talked to her, she was kind of stalled in her weight loss. You know, um, she was in the middle of a really stressful time. And she told me later that she'd kind of dropped the ball for a while. You know, she got busy with life as we all do and put herself on the back burner again as she dealt with work stress and she reverted back to some of her old eating habits and stalled out in her weight loss. The worst though was that she just felt bad. I mean, she didn't feel good. And her husband started seeing some of that old moodiness, you know, rear its ugly head. But here's the important lesson. Pam knew what to do. She didn't panic. She didn't throw in the towel. She didn't frantically search for a new quick fix, you know, to reignite weight loss. She simply started over at week one of Feast of Fast. And this time her husband joined her and they're just, they're both doing awesome. You know, she sent me, um, she sent me pictures like before and after photos. I'll see if I can share those with you uh, this week, maybe um, in my Sunday send out email or on Facebook or something. I mean, it's just it's so awesome to see. I remember her telling me like in the first picture, the before picture, she's like, I remember taking this picture and feel, feeling like kind of good about where I was, you know? And then she's like, and then, then here you've got this other picture and she and her husband both are just, you know, they look great. They just absolutely look great. And she's like, I just, I didn't even realize, you know, how much I had just let myself go and you know, put my health on the back burner. Um, you know, but I think what we do too often, you know, we'll beat ourselves up for falling off the wagon, you know, so to speak, we panic and then we'll make bad decisions from that panic, you know, like jumping on a shiny diet trend for a quick fix. I love how Pam regrouped, you know, went back to what works because, you know, we've got to understand we're not going to eat perfectly every single day for the rest of our lives. Okay, there are going to be periods that we slide off the tracks a little bit. And yes, consistency is the key. I mean, it really is. But you do have to look at the big picture of your health, you know, of your health life. As long as you're being consistent most of the time, your body can handle some of these, you know, kind of slide off periods, (laughs) you know. It's kind of like how I'm always saying, you know, your body can handle some sugar and other less than healthy foods some of the time, as long as it's getting what it needs most of the time. And that's why finding a way of eating that you can do for the long haul is so important. I know that these trendy diets and shakes and these pills are just, you know, they're so alluring. They're so shiny. But my question is always, you know, can you do this? for the long haul? Is it sustainable? Is it something you can make a lifestyle? 
You know, like, are you going to drink those shakes indefinitely? I've never understood how people can drink shakes and smoothies in the winter. It just makes me cold just thinking about it. It just seems like it goes against your natural, you know, body tendencies and justing cold shakes when it's cold outside. You know, you know how I love looking through like the lens of our bodies in relation to creation. And that just seems not right. You know, I don't even like to eat a lot of salads in the winter. Like my body instinctively doesn't want that. One of my favorite ways to get greens in the uh, colder months is, and what I've been doing a lot lately, is adding little herby plants to my soups or, you know, other foods, like a handful of cilantro in my tortilla soup or parsley in my beef stew or something like that. And y'all know I love making pesto as the besto. It is like such an awesome way to pack in greens. Um, so delicious. And you can use all kinds of greens for that, not just basil. And, you know, all of those herbs are really powerful healing foods. And I would dare say you get more bang for your buck with a handful of herbs than you do with a big old bowl of romaine. I mean, romaine is certainly healthy, but I think that um, people overlook the power of these really green, you know, healing plants, these little, these little herbs that you can easily just kind of throw in any dish. You know, I, you know, I do don't mistake me. I love salad. I love a good salad, but I really, I just kind of shy away from them naturally in the winter. You know, again, it just doesn't seem to jive with my body, you know, but anyway, like back to the shakes, if you do see yourself doing them indefinitely and making them part of your long-term plan, great. You know, um, that's fine. If you're thinking of doing them for a few months to jumpstart your diet or weight loss, you know, or kind of get you over the hump, so to speak, you have to think, I mean, okay, what happens to my body when I go off of these? You know, like these drink two shakes a day and eat one meal, you know, kind of plans. I'm just like, palm to forehead, look at the big picture. No, that is not sustainable. And it sure is shiny because maybe you can lose weight quickly in the short term, but when you get tired of only chewing one of your meals per day and you wanna go back to eating regular meals, I mean, you've trained your body not to handle that well. You know, it's kind of like the way that I, I look at the ketogenic diet. Yes, it will train your body to burn fat, and that is awesome. But what happens when you're tired of eating 70, 80% fat every day? You know, what happens when you want to eat sugar, Christmas sugar cookies with your kids, you know, or, or drink champagne with your friends? I mean, not only do you have that mind drama, you know, about too many carbs, like, I'm on keto, I can't have these carbs, you know, in your brain going on, but then you've also trained your body not to handle carbs well. You know, for me, that ain't just going to work in the long term. You know, that is not sustainable for me. I know myself. And that is really, that's why I teach metabolic flexibility. You know, that is our dietary goal in Feast to Fast. Teach the body to burn fat and to burn carbs efficiently so that there's room for both in your diet. That is what makes it sustainable. Now, as I've said before, there are times for therapeutic diets like keto, like carnivore, like paleo, like FODMAPs, like even short seasonal detoxes like we do in the Christian Health Club. We just did our winter wellness detox uh, a few weeks ago where we only eat veggies and fruit um, and plant fats like, you know, avocado, coconut, um, that kind of thing for three days. And I have to be honest, I do not enjoy doing those. My body functions so much better with animal foods. And I was joking 
but not really joking <laughs> in the Christian health club I posted. I'm like, I always appreciate Genesis nine, three so much more after three days of Genesis one you know, but I do those seasonal detoxes for the discipline and for the health benefits of cycling out protein temporarily, you know, but a vegetarian diet does not serve this body right here in the long haul. But like going back to the keto diet, it makes more sense in a seasonal and circadian rhythm kind of way to be higher in fat in the winter, you know, because historically there were less plant foods available, you know, ground is frozen. Um, and our bodies are created to handle and adapt to these seasonal food changes. Like I've said before, I think that the ultimate way to eat is seasonally, you know, honoring the earthly patterns of what food is available in the winter. That would be more meat and fat in the summer. It would be more carbs. But I think in the big picture, it's important to see that our bodies are meant and able to have a representation of all three macronutrient categories, you know, and that going extreme in any direction is not the best long-term solution for our bodies. So I think the point I'm driving at here and what I want you to consider, especially at this time of the year, you know, going into the new year, when we're all focused on diets and health goals, is to consider what is going to be sustainable for you. What has worked for you in the past? What hasn't worked for you in the past? How do you want to be able to eat? That's a really important question to consider. I mean, we have to be reasonable here. You can't be like, I want to be able to live off little Debbie's and Coke. You know, that's not what we're talking about. But do you want to be able to eat carbs without mind drama? You know, like the bread I was talking about last week? Do you want to be able to enjoy a glass of wine with your steak dinner? Like I talked about two weeks ago, like I said, I'm like talking about all wine and bread and all the things here lately. Um, very much on my mind, obviously. You know, do you want to go on vacation and not have to nickel and dime your macronutrient ratios? Oh my gosh. I mean, I just, I just can't even. <laughs> the important thing is, you know, to see the light of the bigger picture. You know, and not the bright, shiny object right before you. It is so, so tempting to go for the shiny short-term fix, but add up all of those years and money and pounds those shiny objects have cost you. You know, it loses its luster real quick when you think of it that way. And of course, I would love you to join Feast of Fast because I think it's a really doable and effective way of eating. You know, we have lots of testimonials to that. It's how I live my life, but mostly I just want you to find something that works for you as a lifestyle that keeps you healthy in body, but also in mind, which means that you can eat in a way that is without mind drama, you know, and of course, in a way that honors who you are as an excellent vessel of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing shinier than the person who shows up in her life being everything God created her to be. So choose a way of eating that, that does that for you. Okay, my friend. And if you want to join us in Feast of Fast, we start the first Monday of the new year always. So January 4th, as we move into 2021, we will be practicing the principles of metabolic flexibility, you know, and eating for the way we are created all while honoring our creator. And Feast of Fast has its own website, which is feastofast.co and so you can go there to read more about it and um, sign up 
love, love, love to have you um, join us for this next round. I hope that you have a wonderful week, a very happy new year celebration. I think we're all ready to turn the page on 2020, right? Even though it's been a doozy, I'm so incredibly grateful for so many blessings. And that includes you, my beautiful friend. As always, I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Have a healthy and blessed week. And I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.